Welcome to Ready to Launch, a special series about entrepreneurship in MENA. This series is a collaboration between Riada, a Wilson Center podcast, hosted by Marissa Khurba, director of the Wilson Center Middle East program, and the Straight Up Startup podcast, hosted by myself, Rajai Sahouri from Amman, Jordan. Today, we are zooming in on the education and entrepreneurial ecosystem in Saudi Arabia. We're glad to host Haytham Al-Hibsi, the online learning manager and uh, content programs, and Arwa Shafi, accelerator leader for Taqaddam, all hosted at KAUST, King Abdullah University for Science and Technology. Haytham and Arwa, I'm going to leave you the floor to introduce yourself. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Shukran, shukran, Rajai Tikram. Um, so Arwa Shafi from Taqaddam Accelerator uh, here in KAUST. Uh, we're based out of the West Coast, and with me is my colleague Haytham. Haytham. Yes, uh, thank you, Rajai. Thank you, Arwa. So Haytham Al-Hamsi, heading the online learning uh, team within KAUST, uh, previous entrepreneur, also invest in a few startups here and there. Fantastic. Um, on to you, Marissa. Thank you, uh, Rajai, for the introduction, and welcome to both Arwa and Haytham. Um, so I guess we want to learn a little bit more about the um, uh, about the qaddam, about the role that you play in supporting entrepreneurs and budding entrepreneurs in Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia is a very young population, um, and uh, there is um, uh, a challenge in ensuring that all all you know young graduates are um, employed, and so entrepreneurship presents um, many opportunities for Saudi. Youth. So, very curious to hear the story behind the Qaddam and the work that you do. Arwa, um, I'll turn it over to you first. Sure. Uh, so, Taqaddam is an accelerator program we run for six months. The unique thing about Taqaddam is we are part of a university. So, we are an like a university staff. Right? We're employed by KAUST. Um, and the, the focus on entrepreneurship comes as a result of having so much technology. Uh, and that was a vision originally from the university itself to not, not only produce the research, but also commercialize that and make that into innovative products and services. So as a result of that, the Entrepreneurship Center has been around for more than 10 years now. The Taqaddam Accelerator has been around for five years plus, and we've had even other uh, accelerator programs, incubators, and other uh, programs even in the past few years with other names. So they the point I'm trying to establish is the center has been around for a few for some time and the program has been around for some time. Um, but entrepreneurship has been picking up more and more in the kingdom in the past few years. And that's because a result of regulations, investments, and so on. Uh, but not only that, even the talent in Saudi are now more and more interested in entrepreneurship. Uh, a few years back, if anybody would come and say, I want to be a founder, they'd be, are you crazy? Go get a job, be secure. You need to establish a family, you have kids, etc." But right now, people are more open to the risk. Um, families are more supportive. Um, so even the community and the society is becoming more supportive of that idea of being founders. So as a result, we do see more, more, more founders from all different ages. So not only recent graduates, we also see founders who are well-established in their careers. We see founders um, that are late in their 50s and 60s sometimes. So it is a very interesting time uh, for Saudi specifically in, in regards to entrepreneurship. 
for us, the Qaddam is impact oriented. Um, um, it's we are a non-profit university. Um, the Taqaddam is uh, Taqaddam Accelerator is sponsored by SAB as well, our HSBC in other countries, and it's part of the CSR. Um, so for that, we, we give our funding as a grant, non-dilutive. We don't take equity. Um, I mean, because of all of these factors coming together, we do focus on startups that create impact, whether that impact is environment, technology, development, job creation, and of course, growth. Um, an expansion to Saudi or from Saudi abroad. Um, so we do believe that that gives us a very unique position that we do not have to be profit-oriented, although that's a great factor and we do focus on it very much, uh, but we tend to be more impact-focused. So that's in a nutshell the and what makes it very unique. And, and that's quite, uh, quite impressive and it's very encouraging to learn that more and more Saudi youth are turning towards um, entrepreneurship, but that, that, but that also you're seeing that um, other age groups are also interested in um, seeking uh, support, uh, basically, from your services uh, at the Qaddam. So this is truly uh, very encouraging. Haitham, I'm going to turn to you. You're the um, online learning manager at KAUST, um, and you basically led the first massive open online course on entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship adventures. So tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, what was your experience? How did you um, end up um, uh, basically in this role? And um, what have you seen um, through this course that is encouraging to you about uh, the future of Saudi youth? Yeah, thank you, Marissa. So Arwa and her team focus on the Accelerator Program, which is for people who have already started their companies, who are already founders. Uh, Entrepreneurship Adventures focuses on people early in the funnel. So anybody with an idea, if you think about your brother, your cousin, people in your network, you always meet people with great ideas, uh, but they haven't started. They haven't taken that first step. And so Entrepreneurship Adventures is the place for them to take that first step, to learn about entrepreneurship, to understand uh, what's involved in becoming a founder, and to decide if this is the path that they want to take forward and as Arwa said, this is kind of a viable career path now. So if you're looking kind of at what's happening in the micro or the macro uh, scale in the economy, in the region and abroad, you know, our parents' generation, they used to get one job and they would stay in that job for their whole life, maybe at least 10 years, maybe 20, 30 years. And now you're looking at people changing jobs every two to three years. And the reason that's happening is the world is moving so fast, whether it's a change in economies, it's a change in technology, a change in society, or if it's something massive like COVID or, you know, uh, heaven forbid, a war in Ukraine. So the world is just getting faster and faster and things are changing more rapidly. And now youth are having to deal with that change. And so this course teaches you a lot about the mindset that you need to tackle change, to tackle ambiguity, to deal with risk, uh, as well as the fundamental skill sets that an entrepreneur needs, you know, to focus on a specific idea to identify if there's a need in the market to develop an innovative product, uh, product um, to pitch that idea to investors, uh, to secure funding and go to market. Uh, so entrepreneurship mm-hmm. adventures is targeting that sweet spot. It's these fundamental skills that the youth need mm-hmm. uh, to deal with the world today. And hopefully some of those youth decide to start companies and become entrepreneurs. Uh, we launched the course in uh, July, 2021. Mm-hmm. And we've run it twice since. We've had over 86,000 people sign up for the course. 
we've had over 38,000 people actually start learning in the course and we've had thousands of graduates. Wow. Um, That's a really big number. Yeah. So, I mean, that speaks to the macro that we're talking about. Everybody has an idea and everybody knows that, Mm -hmm. you know, we also have high unemployment and people are thinking about how do I take my idea and turn it into a business Mm -hmm. or how do I learn some skills that I can use in, in the workforce? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because you're right. It's not just about starting a business. A lot of these startups, um, you know, do not move on to the next phase, which is fine. But there are certainly so many skills that you gain by just trying and by um, giving it a chance uh, beyond just the course itself. And so you mentioned risk, and I think that's at the heart of it. It's really changing mindsets towards um, towards uh, that. Um, Rajai? Yes, I agree, Marissa. And uh, thank you, Haytham and Arwa, for, for the great introduction. And, you know, I want to follow up on the macro level, uh, too, since you guys mentioned it, is also that uh, I want to see where um, Saudi Arabia is, is, uh, is heading, which is, you know, also very publicly announced in Division 2030. So I want to ask, you know, specifically about, uh, about um, you know, the entrepreneurial pillar in the, in the vision. So what is the the um, like what is the ambition that uh, Saudi Arabia is aiming towards in uh, in innovation and entrepreneurship and how does Kaust uh, play uh, like play a role in it? Haytham or Arway can either of you can start no, no worries. Yeah, so maybe I'll speak a little bit uh, since we're talking about education uh, and also talking about what's happening in the country. There's a big push towards innovation and education. And, you know, as we're a university and as we launch this online course, we're talking to uh, some of our partners and stakeholders in the Ministry of Education, and they're rolling out programs to make sure all the universities in the country have some form of support for founders, whether it's an incubator, whether it's courses like ours, whether it's an accelerator program. And they've publicly talked about all those initiatives. Uh, So the country sees entrepreneurship and innovation as a core part. Uh, of the transformation and achieving Vision 2030. And then if you think about all the verticals uh, within the vision, so if you think about healthcare, if you think about education, if you think about quality of life, all those programs, those vision programs, are going to require basically an innovation, a digitization, a technology element. And that's what we see, you know, in the accelerator. We see so many different kinds of ideas in the last couple of years that maybe we didn't see before. And maybe Arwa can talk about some of the health tech startups that we see in Khaddam or some of the ed tech that come in. Uh, so it's really having this, uh, you know, support at a, at a country level, whether it's regulation, as Arwa said, or the funding availability. Uh, it's really a great opportunity, you know, to actually start a company now and to have that kind of wave of support around you from the country, from the different parts of the ecosystem. Fantastic. Yeah, um, on to you, Arwa. That. I, I second that. It is a very good time to start a startup. Um, especially if people have been observing the ecosystem in the past four or five years, there's a huge jumps happening. Um, And to add to what Haytham said, there is also a lot of focus on being more knowledge-driven economy. And knowledge-driven comes a lot from science and technology. Um, So that means new products, new innovations, research, uh, something new happening and something that's happening in the country. Uh, So something that's locally produced and locally made. There's a lot of initiatives around that. Um, We have the Made in Saudi uh, initiatives and products that started a few years ago and now it's picking up even more. 
to, to, get, to answer your question briefly, how does Kaos and Taqaddam and how does entrepreneurship connect to that? It's basically for us to reach a knowledge-based economy, for science and technology to be the main, um, so not only source of income, but also source of making our life better, then a lot of the people who are leading or, or going to be leading that change would be the founders. At the end of the day, SMEs and micro uh, companies do make up a huge part of uh, um, the commercialization movement and uh, like the activities and the GDP. So as a result of that, eventually you'll find the founders and these tiny, small micro um, companies here and there, eventually they'll grow and they'll scale and they'll hire more people. So they'll create more jobs and there's more money moving within the country and there's more income being created. Um, so how by doing these programs and by producing a lot of these technology, um, this contribute to that very well and, and very directly. But again, the vision is so big. <laughs> there is so many hundreds and, and, and thousands of projects and initiatives within that. So it does take, it does tackle so many aspects. And Aitha mentioned also a few of them. Um, so it's not only by producing science and technology in the kingdom and by having founders create startups and growing and hiring more people and using technology in those startups, but it's also about what do these startups end up doing? So you have healthcare startups that change the way we do healthcare, change the way we do our checkups or change the way we even deal or our relationships with doctors. Um, there's a huge shift now towards um, primary care first. So mm -hmm. we go to smaller clinics. We do telemedicine before even going to a consultant or a specialist. And although a lot of these movements are being led uh, by Ministry of Health and Regulations and startups who help give that accessibility. So, so there's very close government, um, I guess, uh, coordination uh, as well as collaboration uh, in this regard. Is that, um, would that be fair to say that the of government course. is is supportive of all these different initiatives? Of course, of course. And as uh, Rajai said, it starts from the vision. There is a lot of initiatives and projects from the vision under that. And then there's a lot of new regulations, new policies being enrolled, new funding. Um, so all of and even new infrastructures for things to be done and all of that does contribute very much uh to enable the founders to do what they want to do uh and and that's also really encouraging because in the various conversations that rajai and i have had over the past six months plus with entrepreneurs um you know some governments are more uh, responsive to the needs of entrepreneurs than others but in, in many cases, um, when we ask about the challenges that entrepreneurs face, uh, they go back to sort of, um, you know, the legislative environment, the regulatory environment. Um, and uh, in, in many cases, the government tries to do what it can, but it, it's not doing enough. So that's definitely um, uh, quite a, a plus for, uh, for Saudi Arabia. Um, and, and I guess my question here would be, if you were a young Saudi um, man or a woman and you have an idea and then you go through Haitham's course and you want to launch your startup, what are the barriers to entry into the ecosystem? That's a very, very good question. 
um, like if you ask me personally, I'd say there are no barriers. <laughs> Uh, just from the sheer amount of events that are available, from the sheer amount of um, founders that are available and accessible, uh, mentors, programs that people can apply to, and all of those work as a gate um, to get into the ecosystem. Once you're in a program, all doors are wide open. Once you uh, in the community of founders, then doors becomes wide open. Once you attend a bootcamp here or attend a workshop there, uh, a connection here, a connection there, and then it starts. Uh, I know for somebody who's not in the ecosystem at all, uh, who looks at it from, let's say, outside, might be overwhelmed and it feels like very hard to reach. Uh, but it's as simple as attending an event, uh, talking to some of the founders, talking to mentors or accelerator uh, teams, that, it, that that's the door that starts. Uh, to me, usually, from, from me, usually the recommendation is get into a program. Find an accelerator program or an incubation program or a boot camp or a competition or a course that you can take. Uh, and from there, it's, things will just start happening. Yeah, I agree with that. In addition, like um, maybe we want to think about mental barriers. Because before we launched the course, we did some research about uh, you know, barriers, why people don't start their perception of entrepreneurship. And it was more of a mental barrier. And this is something we tried to work on a lot in the course, about understanding that funding is not a barrier to start. It's more about if you find the customer and can get the right product, then funding will follow. Uh, people just don't know how to approach entrepreneurship. And that's a big part of how we've designed the course, is to attack all these myths or this misconceptions in the market, thinking mm -hmm. that you need to start focused on the money, you need to get an investor before you start, you can't tell anybody about your idea, otherwise mm -hmm. they're going to steal it. Um, you know, you need to copy somebody else that's successful and do a business model that's already been proven. Uh, so you get a lot of companies that look like each other. All of these myths and all of these mistakes we tried to tackle through the education part of it. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are all mental barriers. You just don't know what to do and you try to do something that uh, that is proven to be uh, less likely to succeed and more risky. Yeah. Once you get over those mental barriers, there really is no barrier to start your company. Like the ecosystem, the environment, everything's in your favor. But before I pass this on to Rajai, you know, I, I sort of smirked when you said, uh, when you talked about the myth of uh, not sharing your idea, lest somebody steal it. Because when we uh, ask entrepreneurs that we interview for their advice to budding entrepreneurs, they always say, talk about your ideas. Do not hide your ideas. If you don't share, if you don't discuss, your idea is not going to move forward. So I love that you are sort of undoing before you do. Rajai, over to you. Absolutely, Marissa. And uh, thank you, Haitham. And, 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 you know, as I see of, of like what you said, like specifically with the course is that you're tackling um, the mindset, which is, you know, follows to my next question is that, you know, to what extent are Saudi youth inclined towards um, like innovative and entrepreneurial mindset? And, uh, you know, that is, you know, personally for, for, for the youth and entrepreneurs, but how is it materializing into um, the mass behavioral and cultural shift in Saudi Arabia? So, you know, I just want to kind of zoom into youth and entrepreneurs and back to the general public. Can you let us know more about that? Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll give you some numbers from the course. So again, we said uh, 38,000 people took the course. And then at the end of the course, we asked them if they had startup ideas. And in the first run, we got about 132 ideas. In this run, we got about 168. So you can say about 300 ideas or 300 companies out of, 
you know, 38,000 odd people who took the course. So that's less than, that's around 1% or less than 1%. So what we know about entrepreneurship, both locally and globally, it's kind of a minority sport. It's those people that think they can change the world. It's those people that have these brand ideas. It's those people that are comfortable with risk. So it's definitely not for everybody, but it's for those people that think that there's a problem out there that they want to solve and they're comfortable finding the right technology, the right team and the right yeah. approach to solve it. Um, but I think just, you know, in our region, we, we benefit from not having the kind of competition you would have in a Silicon Valley. Uh, not every idea has been already executed. There's still a lot of opportunities where, you know, even the government is telling you, here's areas in the economy that you guys should focus on, like entertainment in Saudi, uh, media, video games. These are completely new industries. It, it's not saturated. It's an open market. Anybody can go in there. So in, in those verticals, you see a lot of appetite and you see people who are really who've been dreaming about starting companies in those fields. And now they have the opportunity. Now they have the regulation. Now they've got like all the support systems that they need. Uh, so for the people that want to do this, it's the best time for people who are always going to be, you know, scared or unsure Then that's never going to change. You know, that's just the nature of the minority sport that it is and what it takes to be a risk taker and innovator uh, and a founder. Yeah, um, Arwa, any comments on that too? Uh, no, mashallah, and I hate them. I hate them summed it up. Perfect. Uh, Marissa, on to you. Yeah, thanks, Jai. So as you were um, talking about this, um, uh, it struck me that, um, uh, you know, you, you called it a minority, minority sport um, and that it's not for everyone, but I guess that's that's the challenge, right? It's to change mindsets uh, of young people um, and, and also of their family members because families in the region, they play an important role in influence, influencing the direction and, uh, and sort of careers of their children. And that sort of, you know, takes me to the, to the next cohort, young women in particular. Uh, things are changing in Saudi Arabia. Uh, on that front, you know, women are highly educated, and um, I, I hope that we are seeing as many women as men being interested in uh, in the entrepreneurship world um, and in the programs that you're providing at the Khaddam. So, how many women applicants do you get? Um, have you worked with a lot of women entrepreneurs? And if you were to sort of assess uh you know the the ecosystem from a gender lens what would you say so i'd say in taqaddam we do have a high percentage of female-led um startups compared to other programs even even globally so on average we do have 30 percent female founders in the cohort so i'm not talking applications only but actually female founders who get into the program and continue the program which is a considerably very high percentage, even worldwide. Um, so in Saudi, I think, uh, which is diff very different from the typical stereotype, you will find a lot of female founders. Um, whether they continue or not, of course, that, that's, that's a completely different conversation. But there is a huge appetite for female founders. At the same time, especially currently, I'd say there is a huge demand for female talent in the workforce, uh, government, private sector, and public sector are hiring female founder uh, or female 
talent very aggressively uh, that it is very tempting not to open your own startups and go find a job. And, if you, and as a female talent, you will easily find a really good job. Um, so we do, we do see like that conflict in, in, in female where she can have a really good, really, really good job or she mm-hmm. can have her own startup. Um, so it, to me, I think it's a very, very funny time. There's definitely more appetite for, for, for entrepreneurship within female, um, not only for entrepreneurship, but generally for development, for innovation, um, for getting new skills. Females in Saudi have a huge appetite in that. And we see it in any event we do. We see it in any course we launch. We see it in attendance in person and online. Usually the female percentage of attendance or participation is higher than male. Mm. Uh, like even in the past three years, we've had um, like an ideation program where 90% of the participants were female. Wow. Uh, yes. Yes. To that extent. Um, but then entrepreneurship, it's a bit different because it's a, it's a more of a long-term journey. Yeah. So it's not just an event that you attend. It's not just a competition that you do. Right. So with that, we do have in Taqadam specifically annually a 30% female founders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope for that number to increase. But yeah, mm-hmm. so to answer your, your question shortly, yes, there is a huge appetite uh, for them. We do see a lot of them uh, in competition, in programs and accelerators. Um, but for those to continue, yeah. I think it'll, it'll take a few years for us to actually to have enough data to, see, to say uh, if, they, if, if female-led startups and founders will continue or not. I mean, the momentum seems to be there um, and, you know, it's a, towards uh, a positive trajectory. So um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you will see more and more entrepreneurs moving forward. Rajai? Yes, absolutely. So uh, I just want to now, I want to ask Haitham a specific uh, question since we're tackling entrepreneurship and education. And of course, they're all uh, um, connected. But I, I want to ask you more about the future of education after the pandemic. So, you know, the, the pandemic has uh, shifted a lot of aspects. So, um, you know, how are you guys playing your role in, 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 uh, in Kaos and how is that going to come across for the near future? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question, Rajai. I think the pandemic accelerated a lot of the changes that were happening in how education is delivered, let's say the delivery modes. If you think about like uh, the different ways that we learn, uh, there's instructor-led education where there's somebody there teaching you something directly. There's kind of the observation or the guru model where you're observing somebody who's a master at their craft, you're trying to learn from them. This is really, I mean, in old times in Japanese culture, Mm -hmm. you had a sensei and you kind of followed what he did and you learned from him his craft. And then there's this more kind of experiential project-based activity-based model where you're trying to accomplish something and you're learning by doing and learning by failing and reflecting. Reflection is a big part of that. What did I do? What worked? What didn't work? How can I improve? And starting that iteration cycle. So if you think Mm -hmm. about education traditionally, it was focused on that first model, which is instruction. There's somebody there to tell you what to do uh, and you sit there and you listen. You spend a lot of time listening and writing down. But now with the uh, pandemic, it's accelerated the move towards project-based learning and experiential learning. And this is actually something that we've been doing in the center all along. So ever since I joined the center, ever since day one, we do experiential teaching. So because when you talk about entrepreneurship, it's hard to kind of teach it as a theory and say, here's what you should do. Here's how you should think about it. It's always better to experience it firsthand, to try to sell, to 
try to understand the customer, to try to run a customer interview, uh, to try to design a product and to fail at that. And so this experiential method is the best method for you to actually learn these kind of complex skills and the decision-making that comes with it and uh, dealing with the ambiguity or like the, having a white sheet of paper where anything is possible. And so through the pandemic, we've realized that recording instruction on videos is really boring. Nobody wants to do that. And observation and case studies doesn't really lend to distributed learning. And so you move towards project-based where you have very minimal instruction, but you have a task at hand. And then you leverage everything that we have today in terms of the internet, Wikipedia, all the data sources, YouTube, and you figure out what content you need to find to help you accomplish that task. And this type of education is really, uh, let's say, this type of lifelong learning or this type of self-taught uh, pathing where you're creating your own path through the content to achieve your objective is really well aligned with what you do in entrepreneurship. Because if you're a founder, uh, you've never raised money before, you've never created a product before, you've never hired anybody before, every day in the business is a new challenge. And so there's nobody that's going to come in and tell you this is how you do it. You're going to have to figure it out. Um, yeah, a lot of it is um, learning by doing um, and trial and error. And that reminds me of one of the things that um, uh, Professor Marshall Gans from the Harvard Kennedy School always talks about at the outset of all of his classes, which is if you um, when you learn how to ride a bike as a kid, you don't read a book about bicycleology. You get on the bike and you basically start uh, learning, you fall, you get back up, up again. And that's very much the case with um, uh, entrepreneurship as well. Um, so I'm glad that the online um, uh, learning platforms and the pedagogy is turning more towards experiential, experiential uh, learning. Uh, that's very encouraging. Yeah, and so in this space, you've got a couple of big moves. So you have uh, edX being acquired by 2U, which gives them a whole range of labs and project-based activities that you can do on the edX platform. You have Coursera as well. Mm -hmm. They've mm -hmm. had partnerships where they've acquired labs and teaching environments and simulations. And so everything's moving towards that direction. Mm -hmm. uh, but with entrepreneurship specifically, in addition to the trial and error, it's also really important to have that mentorship or to have that kind of observational element where you're observing case studies. You don't want to learn everything through, you know, running into the wall. Right. Um, if somebody has been there before, it's good to have that person that can kind of help you make right. better decisions. And that's the mentorship model. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Arwa and Haitham, uh, this has been uh, really an eye-opening uh, conversation and certainly very encouraging to see that, that um, the entrepreneurship ecosystem in Saudi Arabia is buzzing and that there is a lot of interest from youth. So uh, what would you tell young people from the kingdom um, about starting their own business? If you had uh, sort of any advice for them, we always sort of wrap up uh, our episodes with the before you launch words of wisdom. So I'll start with you, Arwa. What would you tell um, young people who are sort of hesitant, but have a good idea and want to give it a shot? I'd say before giving it a shot, try to work in a very similar um, project or, or, or startup. You can you can start by working in another startup that does something very similar or working even in a big company that does something very similar. The more knowledge or an experience you, and understanding you have about that market and about that industry, 
the more likelihood you will be able to succeed. And we do see it now more, more than before. Uh, when somebody from supply chain goes and, and launches startups in supply chain, we know they'll succeed because they just know what they're doing. Mm. Um, well, one of the things that a lot of young founders do is they create something about, about, they launch a startup in an area that they're passionate about and they like, but they don't know enough about. So my first advice would be go and learn about the industry and the market and then launch that startup. My second advice would be there is so much resources and knowledge online and in person, different events, different programs. Don't even think about starting uh, without attending a few events, without taking a course or two, without reading books, without talking to founders who've done it. Mm. Um, And then start with the simplest way you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't think about like building a boat and then uh, sailing with it. Uh, think of how can you sell with the minimum like viable product, something very simple that just gets you in the water. And then from there, you will learn on the spot. Uh, there's so much support. Um, there is like, regardless of how much challenges there is right now, everybody wants to help. Like literally, Really, everybody wants to help from government to private sector, um, to enablers, to regulatory uh, authorities. So it's a perfect time. It's scary, but other people have done it. Um, so get get the help you need, get the resources you need, um, and reach out as much as you can and give it a start. Um, the, the, the worst thing that can happen is you will learn and you'll know how to do it better next time. Yeah, that's excellent advice. And and probably the, the next thing would be go to Taqaddam for more, right? For more support. <laughs> of uh, course. I did not want to say it bluntly, but of course, we're here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, Haytham, what would you uh, advise uh, young ones who are thinking about this route? Yeah, well, I would say if you already have a company, definitely apply to Taqaddam. Um, if you haven't started yet, definitely check out Entrepreneurship Adventures. One of the things that we kind of talk about in the course is this idea of, you know, the red ocean, the blue ocean versus being lost at sea. Uh, what we see in our region, maybe, and this is part of the evolving ecosystem, is sometimes there's kind of a trend. Uh, one year it's logistics, one year it's like, uh, you know, Uber and Karim or that kind of shared economy. Another year it's fintech. We see a lot of founders kind of operating in the same space with similar ideas this year and then next year it changes and the next year it changes. Um, and that's, that's, that, that speaks to the low barrier of entry that we talked about. There's a lot of support. But I would advise is try to find that open space that nobody's looking at, that mm-hmm. you have unique experience in, like Arwa said, that you think you can have an impact in. Mm-hmm. And then once you find that, maybe look at what technologies, because we really believe in you know deep tech mm-hmm. as a good driver towards delivering that impact. So whether you care about you know food and how we create our food, how we grow food, how it gets to the table. And there's a lot of awareness for this now with the Ukraine issue and the supply issues on food. Or whether you care about healthcare and next generation healthcare, I would really advise look for technologies that can help you in that space. And then maybe you can start something that's unique, that's impactful, that's driven by technology. And then you're not going to be, you're not going to have like a hundred people copying. And that way you can have the time to build like a really unique business. And that would be something that you can be proud of and have an impact long term. Excellent. Uh, really good advice as well. Thank you so much. Um, Adwa and Haytham, thanks again for sharing your experience um, and um, giving our audience a glimpse into the entrepreneurship ecosystem in Saudi Arabia.
Hi Tham and Arwa, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We um, we loved having you and uh, we loved all the insights that you gave us. This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Department of State.